This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So are we taking the 134 to get there? I don't think the 134 connects to the 101 going this way. I think we have to take that weird zig around Warner Brothers. Oh, so. Oh, my God, it's going to be totally backed up. Probably. L.A. traffic. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss whether it's better to learn from failure or from success. I know which one I would rather learn from. Guessing it's not failure. Definitely not. And then, Sarah, you have a jewelry-related take-a-hike that helps you through stressful times. Yes, and then our Hollywood hack is sort of jewelry-related, too. This is a very blingy episode. But before we dive in, let's talk about an email we got from a listener named Serena. She wrote, On a couple of episodes, you've spoken about fertility and encouraged young women to just go for it and have kids early if that's what they know they'll eventually want. Many women in their 20s and early 30s are simply not ready to become parents. They don't have the financial or emotional means to raise a child or have legitimate concerns about their career suffering. I am 27 myself, and while I do not plan to have a child, I know many of my friends, particularly female, are struggling with these issues. Not everyone who listens to the podcast is in the position that perhaps you were at that age, and speaking of these issues without making space for the nuances can lead to women feeling panicked and considering having a child before they're ready, or feeling even more conflicted and guilty about their desire to wait. There is no easy answer here, but I wonder whether what we should be doing is changing the narrative a little to force change that would make these choices so much less fraught. Government help for parents in the form of free childcare, paid parental leave, emotional support, etc. is the only way I can see to solve this issue, as well as proper equal pay laws and parental leave for both slash either parent to stop women from shouldering the majority of the burden. In short, I think we need to be really careful about adding to the pressure to the double standards women already deal with in a world where their value is very much based on their ability and willingness to procreate, yet they are judged based on their professional success. Yes. Okay. Well, she said a lot there. She made some really excellent points, and I think on the whole, we agree with her. Um, Yes, I think all those things should happen. Yes, exactly. And people really are struggling when it comes to making decisions about their fertility. But that is why we talk about it. Yeah. I mean, our thing is 
we know that so many of these factors go into the decision making, feeling like you want to be farther along in your career, feeling like you, you know, want more time to develop personally. And our point is just that don't think that there isn't a biological clock. Right. We're not telling you what to do. We just want people to understand that it's not the case that, oh, you can have a baby easily when you're 45. Right. I think I was truly, Sarah, under the impression that, okay, well, if I wait to have a second baby until my, you know, I'm into my 40s, I'm going to have to do IVF. You know, that's going to be a pain. Expensive. And expensive. But if I have the money to do that and I'm willing to do it, then, you know, I'll be able to have that baby. Right. And, you know, that didn't happen for me. Right. I did all the treatments. I spent the money. God, I spent a lot of money. And it just didn't happen. Right. And so what we want people to know is that nature isn't necessarily on your side. Right. And we're not telling anybody to have babies in their 20s if they're not ready. We're not even telling people to have babies in their 30s if they're not ready. We're just saying you have to be aware of this biological imperative. And if you want to have kids, even if it's not pleasant and even if it's stressful, these are things you have to think about. And if you have the means and you actually have a partner that you know you want to have kids with, I mean, if you just put embryos on ice— Yeah. Geez, that opens up the possibilities. I mean, if I could have done one thing, that's what I wish I had done. Mm -hmm. Because you can carry a baby much more easily than you can make that healthy egg. It's the healthy eggs that are really the problem. Yes. And And, Serena's right that there are consequences for women who have kids at a younger age. There was a discussion on our Facebook group from a woman who's a scientist who said in a conversation with a male scientist at work, Mm. um, this male scientist who claimed to be a feminist, said that women are liabilities and risks because we have babies. Like, this is not a small thing to consider. A lot of people think that, and it's really messed up. Yeah, and hopefully in this new age with Time's Up, Time's up one man. of the things that's going to come to, you know, forth yes. is that women are not going to be discriminated against because they get pregnant. Right. Uh, now, you know, another point I want to make is that this sort of what I, I don't want to say fiction, that's too strong a word, but this notion that it's, you can, as long as you have the money, right. you can get pregnant in your 40s right. through medicine mm-hmm. science. The fact that people think that, I think, adds to bosses thinking women should wait to have kids. Agree. You know, until they're further along in their Uh career. Sarah, I will remind you, we have been at events where successful women writers have stated they don't think a woman should have a child until she's an executive producer. Which is madness. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's fine if you become an executive producer at 26. Right. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. We didn't often. even move here till we were 27. 28 for well, me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. um, it's such a complicated issue. And our point is we've spent a lot of time talking about this and thinking about it. And we want other people to as well. Because my doctor did tell me, by the way, Liz, don't think you're just going to be able to get pregnant. If you want to do it, you better do it. But a lot of doctors don't, or they present it as, well, the chances are small, but keep trying, you know. Yeah. And again, I mean, this is expensive. I mean, how much did you spend to get pregnant? Over two years, and now factor in I was 
paying for sperm. If you have a husband, <laughs> you get that free. But I think I spent like $70,000. Wow. Yeah. I did not know treatments. it was that much. It was a lot. Now, I think I spent around 30000 I mean, maybe it was a lot more than that. But you just the, blocked it out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the medicine, I mean, the meds you have to take, you're spending every time you go to the pharmacy at least $1,500. Oh, I thought you were going to say 5000 uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I spent less than I would have because I could never even get to <laughs> implantation because right. I could never get one decent egg. Right. So then how old were you when this was going on? 42. Right. 42 to 44 or 41 to 43, something like that. Um, and after two years, I just said, you know. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. I, I mean, rightly so, I think. Yeah. Because it's brutal. It's emotionally it is. brutal. Yeah. And luckily, I had a child. So I think emotionally for me, it was a lot less draining because I knew at the end of the day, like I had a family so th that really did lower the stakes. Nonetheless, it was not a happy time. Yeah. So if you think you want kids, even if you're ambivalent, <laughs> you know what we're going to say. Freeze your eggs. Freeze your eggs. If you have the means. Those are our words of wisdom. Up next, some words of wisdom from Hollywood legend Robert Evans. But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into our segment from the treadmill desk of in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today that's Robert Evans' advice to study success, not failure. Yes. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Robert Evans was an actor who became the youngest head of a major studio in 1967 when he took over Paramount. At the time, Paramount was in last place among the big nine studios, but Robert Evans took it to number one with hits like The Godfather, Love Story, and Chinatown. Yes, and he is a total character. He wrote a book called The Kids Stays in the Picture that was also made into a documentary, and it was a hugely successful book. It's incredibly entertaining about his journey, you know, from from childhood till, you know, adulthood and this crazy Hollywood career he's had. He literally is his best friends are Jack Nicholson and Dustin Hoffman. So he's been there and done it all. Yeah, I always think of him as that guy with those crazy kind of mirrored big glasses. Yes. And a tan. A tan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So in his memoir, You Are Big on the Hollywood Memoirs, Robert Evans said something that really struck you. He said, At an early age, a man of great wisdom gave me the key to making it. 
You learn from success, kid, not failure. If you've only touched it once, a term paper, a temp job, hitting a homer, dissect it. Was it timing, focus, homework? Get to the core. Find out the whys, the hows. That's the key. Use it. Go with it. Don't be afraid. When you get your shot, then you'll be ready. Success ain't easy, kid, but the more you taste it, the easier it gets. No different with failure, the wise man smiled. The more you taste it, the more you get it. Putting his finger to his lips, shh, don't spread it. It's tough out there. Keep it to yourself. So I just thought this was fascinating because I feel like your whole life as we go through from school, work, everything, it's, oh, you learn from failure. Right. I don't feel like we ever talk about learning from success. No, I, I've never heard this discussed as a concept before. Uh, no, so I was like, well, this is fascinating. Maybe this is what all the super successful people are talking about. That's right. It's, it's this secret. secret. I know. Now that we know about <laughs> yeah. it, Sarah, my God, we're unleashed. Exactly. And what I like about it is it's... Like, he's like, study the small successes. Yes. Did you hit a homer? Did you, you know, finish your homework? Yeah, I like that you can have a successful <laughs> temp job. Yeah. I successfully drove from here to there. Yay. <gasps> yeah, and studying success is a more positive approach. Yes. You're going to feel better studying success than studying failure. It's like, where do you want to put your energy? Studying your own successes <laughs> or your failures? Right, and there are definitely things to learn from failures. Of course. But... Why not just like go embrace the things that you're doing right and do more of them? Yeah. So is there a time when we've learned from success? I mean, I think as writers, fortunately, we get a lot of feedback. Yes. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of opportunities to learn from both failure yes, and success. We do. And I do think that um, that we've learned doing multiple pilots, as yeah. we have at this point, the things that have been the most successful are the things that have been just the most entertaining, not the best structured, not mm. the best, you know what I mean? Which goes to our relentlessly entertaining right. mantra this development season. I, I think that's an example of learning from success. Yeah, it's like you see what people respond positively to, and then we try to do that and more. Yes. Well, and just in general as writers, you know, we're in writer's rooms all the time. And a lot of the time, especially me, because I am I have more anxiety in writer's rooms, I'll say something and it bombs, and then I feel terrible. Well, let that go. Right. I should be thinking about the time that I pitched something and it was great and do more of that. Like, that's what I should be analyzing and picking apart and being like, ah, okay, this was what was good about this pitch and this is why. I wish I had, you know, known this when we were on Angel. Oh, yeah. That, yes, that was a very intimidating writer's (laughs) room. You remember my story about my squeaky voice (laughs) trying to get an idea out. Right, exactly. Um, And I mean, this is true. I mean, what I love about this advice from Robert Evans is that it applies to literally any profession and any part of life. Yes. I mean, it, it really does. It's like if you're, you know, a bank teller. You can learn from what was a positive interaction that you had with a customer and then recreate a similar kind of, you know, interaction with the next customer. Yeah. As opposed to just focusing on what you did wrong and trying to analyze it and improve it that way. Or if you're in a relationship and your Mm. relationship ends, instead of thinking about all the ways in which the relationship was a failure— 
Think about all the positive things that you got out of the relationship, all the ways in which you were a success or the relationship was a success so that you can recreate that and have that be your starting point for your next relationship. Yeah, that is like a groundbreaking notion, I think. Yeah. I mean, even just thinking about my own relationship with Adam, it's like a lot of times I will focus on what's wrong with it and I would really be much better off focusing on what's right with it and trying to create more of what's right with it. Well, that's how As I feel a, about parenting. Oh, yeah. You know, like I I am constantly like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Right. I shouldn't have been snappy. I should have laughed more. I, You know, instead I should think about like, oh, we had a great snuggle this morning and we had such a good conversation on the way to school. Like it just makes everything you're thinking about more positive. And then, you know, it's about adding positivity and naturally negativity falls away. Yes. Creating more success in yeah. these things. And fascinating that um, Robert Evans said, the more you taste it, the easier it gets. Yes. And it's like, what do you want to taste, failure or success? I want to taste success. Me too. Especially <laughs> in 2018, our year of expansion. Yes. It's the best year of our careers. Let's taste success. Let's just eat success. <laughs> yes, every day. Yum, yum. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is there a time when you have learned from success? We want to hear about it. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Liz, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today, it is mental health. And bling. Yes. One particular piece of bling that has been a huge factor in my mental health over the last seven years. Um, Liz, do you remember what we were doing seven years ago about now? Um, Yes. Um, (laughs) We were making a pilot, and it was not a fun experience, nor was it a completed experience. Yeah, exactly. It was really, uh, it was challenging. I was in Canada. Yeah, you were in Vancouver. I was here. Working on the pilot from there. You were in L.A. So I was working with a life coach at the time Mm. who suggested that I get a ring to wear that would sort of remind me how I wanted to be in the situation. So one day on the way to, like, the production office, and, you know, we stay at this hotel, and then we don't have a car because we're in Vancouver, right? So the the transpo guy, uh, transportation Uh, The transpo guy comes with the van to pick me up, and I'm like, is there, like, a Walmart here? Um, Is there somewhere we can stop on the way? And we stopped at, I don't know if Canada has Walmarts or if it was just the Canadian version of a Walmart. And I went in, and I got this little ring with three super fake diamonds on it. Uh (laughs) And I sort of assigned a meaning to each of the fake diamonds. Okay, so what were the meanings? The first one was, I cannot control anyone but me. The second one was, this is not my crazy. Mm-hmm. And the third one was, this too shall pass. And it did pass because we got fired. <laughs> yes. Very unceremoniously. <laughs> and horribly. Um, yes. we were. I was on the tech scout. You were still in L.A. I was on the tech scout with like 40 crew members in a bus. In the woods. Weren't you standing yes. in the woods at the time? In the woods, yes. And you and Matt call. And I remember Matt being like, can you get somewhere private? <laughs> Like, no, I can't go somewhere private. There are 40 people standing here around me. Um, but I sort of like went off into a path in the woods and it was like, you'll be leaving the project. What they always say is they want to continue without you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the phrase. As they did. As they did. So I had to have, I literally like, I hugged the director goodbye and got in a van. And they took me back to the hotel and I, 
swiping tears off my mm-hmm. face as I walked. There was a Tiffany's down the street, and I was like, I'm getting the good version of this mm-hmm. ring and turning it into something else that I'm going to, you know, that's going to be meaningful for me moving forward. I walked down the street to Tiffany's. I get the sterling silver and, you know, tiny diamond chip mm-hmm. version. <laughs> It was my most dramatic ever treat yourself. Yeah, I love that story. <laughs> and I can I also add, I love that they were like, well, Sarah, there's no first-class plane tickets back tonight, so you're going to have to go coach. And you were like, you know what? I'll just stay in this hotel and there's a, until there's a first-class ticket. Yeah. Like, you're not playing <laughs> me coach back from getting fired. Exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you hold up at the Sutton place until you For can like get— For like two days. Yes, because just on the principle of it, you yeah. were not going to— fly coach back from getting fired exactly and i don't i I appreciated that (laughs) um so you know it's a lot like when people put a rubber band around their finger to remind them to do something Mm -hmm. except a ring is a longer lasting thing so if you have something that you're going through that lasts a long time Mm -hmm. the ring you don't want to have a rubber band on your finger for two years which is what the ring turned into for me, because then it became my kind of reminder ring when I was going through the fertility stuff. And did you have the same meaning assigned to the little diamonds, or did you give them different meanings? I gave them different meanings for fertility and really for everything since then. Um, The little diamond chips stand for faith, action, and yes. Mm. So faith... Was, you know, it's, we talked about this earlier. It's a really hard process trying yeah. to have a baby. Um, sometimes, not all for the time. For some people. For some people. Um, so I just reminded myself that I needed to have faith, but that faith alone would not work. I also had to take action. Yes, and action is self-explanatory. Keep going, take action, do all the necessary steps. And then what does yes mean? I love, that's my favorite one, yes. (laughs) Yes was just to remind me to say yes to whatever happened. Okay. Um, And along the way, yes to this procedure that I needed to have. Yes to driving across town to the doctor nonstop. And then yes, just whatever the outcome was going to be to have an open, positive attitude of yes. And that ring, I mean, it really got me through that. I still have the Walmart version, mm-hmm. by the way, and I still have the Tiffany version. And faith, action, and yes are kind of my overriding life mantras. Mm-hmm. Now, Liz, do you have any jewelry that has this kind of significance for you? Not exactly the same, although I love this. I We need to go to Tiffany so I can yeah. get my own ring. Um, it's funny because, you know, I don't wear my wedding ring all the time uh-huh. and my engagement ring because uh, largely because my fingers are a little bit fatter than they used to be. <laughs> and so it's not as comfortable. But and I've talked about this on Happier, the podcast I co-host with my sister Gretchen Rubin. Uh-huh. My ring is like my lucky charm now. So uh-huh. if I have a day that I think is going to be a little bit tough today, for instance, I'm wearing my wedding ring and engagement ring because we have a lot going on, and I felt I needed a little boost of mm-hmm. um, luck and and, just, love. and love. So it's kind of my lucky charm, even though most people wear their wedding ring all the time. <laughs> to me, it, it means something when I put it on. And of course, it doesn't have to be a ring. Oh, no. It could be a bracelet, a necklace. A guy could get a leather bracelet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just something to kind of help you stay in balance. Yes. 
Having a physical and ever-present reminder can just be incredibly helpful. And it's subtle, so you can look at it any time and no one knows you're thinking, this is not my crazy. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But now I'm thinking, because um, I had forgotten this whole story about your ring, uh-huh. that when I see you glance down at the ring during one of our tenser moments, I'm going to know what <laughs> you you're know. thinking. Going, so you're busted. This is not my crazy. You're busted. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps me. Stay balanced. It's my balance bling. I love it. <laughs> to our listeners, do you need some balance bling, the Walmart version or the Tiffany version? What would your diamonds or whatever you like stand for? We want to know. Email us at happierinhollywood@gmail.com, or you can always send us a voice memo. Up next, a Hollywood hack for your wrist. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. More bling. (laughs) Does a motion sickness bracelet count as bling? Well, I mean, I think our standards are low (laughs) for what bling is. So, yes, today it does. Okay. Now, this came up because someone in our Facebook group, Kavitha, mentioned that she gets motion sick on her treadmill desk. She had bought a treadmill desk. She was all excited. And then she noticed that whenever she gets off, she feels really nauseous and dizzy. Which, of course, we find just tragic. Yes, because we're (laughs) obsessed with everyone getting a treadmill desk. And I have never heard of that happening. It's never happened to me. No, me neither. And I am sensitive. I do have, I do get motion sickness now. I used to not ever. And Mm. now whenever I'm on a boat, even if I sit on a swing and try and swing, I get motion sickness. Wow. So today's Hollywood hack is something called the relief band. It's on my favorite gifty website, the Gromit. Literally the day that Kavitha, Kavitha, we're probably pronouncing yeah. it wrong, sorry, posted this about the treadmill desk. I saw it on the Gromit. Mm. And it's a motion sickness bracelet that sends soothing pulses to your brain and stomach via the vagus nerve, mm. which can help alleviate nausea by restoring your gastric rhythms. You'll feel the effect within minutes without using drugs. Ooh, that's an impressive um, thing. Yes. And Kavitha. Kavitha. <laughs> Kavitha. And Kavitha also got lots of other great suggestions from the Happier in Hollywood Facebook crew. So you're going to get this bracelet and use it on boats and in cars. I get yes. horrible motion sickness only in cars. Yeah, like in I, the back seat. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is bling that makes your life better day. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Okay, so it's time for this week's celebrity sighting, which was really an up-close and personal sighting. It wasn't just a sighting. It was Uh an interaction. Oh, my gosh. And it's Mary's. So, Mary, tell us who you interacted with this week. Uh, None other than Kit Harrington. Sarah, are you going to hum the Game of Thrones I'm just, no, I, I can't possibly because my heart is pounding too fast. Um, so what? we're sitting in our office, and Mary literally, like, from down the hall, we hear, Oh, my God, you guys, I just walked Kid Harrington upstairs. And for anyone who doesn't know, which is hard to imagine, Kid Harrington plays Jon Snow on Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. Yeah. And he's dreamy. He's, oh. like, the best... The best character on Game yeah. of Thrones. Well, I would uh, beg to differ, but oh. I think Tyrion is the best character, but he is a damn good character. And yeah. a lot of yeah. people would say Sansa. Yes. A lot of people would say Arya. We could yeah. discuss this for hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Kit but Harrington. who do you want to snuggle with? Kit yes. Harrington. Okay, good point. So tell us what happened. Yeah, so I was headed back to the building, and I see this guy kind of wandering around. I just see his curly black hair from behind just looking lost. And I was like, I took a double take, like, uh, ooh, is that is that who I think it is? <laughs> and then he comes up to me and he goes, 
Miss, can you show me to this place? And then he shows his pass to the building and the room number. And I was like, oh, my God, this, this is this is Kit Harrington. <laughs> well, and also he was going to Mandeville, right? Yeah, which, is, which you guys are working with working on the Marsha Clark yeah. project. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, I know exactly where this is. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I did not acknowledge who he was at all the whole time. So L.A. of me, but, like, I was talking about the weather. I was like, <laughs> it's raining. I forgot my umbrella today. And he was like, oh, I'm surprised anyone in L.A. owns an umbrella. And, uh, and then I said, have a great day and showed him to his place. But looking back, I wish I had said something clever like, you know, he asked for directions and I say, you know nothing, Jon mm-hmm. Snow, and walk away. Uh, <laughs> although that would have been a little awkward giving the, given the context yeah. of yes. that relationship yes, and yes. what happened. <laughs> uh, but can I say I just appreciate your English accent, Mary. Oh, it makes the story. Yes. <laughs> so that's our second Game of Thrones sighting in the last little bit. Yeah. So, you know, who do we want to see next? Uh, Cersei? Okay, yeah, okay. Mm. Cersei. Okay. Lannister. All right. Fingers crossed. Okay. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really does help new listeners find us. Thanks to Mary for ushering Jon Snow safely to his destination and telling us about it. Uh, next time, please usher him to our office. Yes, that, that's the only mistake. <laughs> thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fame. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, I still remember when we got fired, I was at my desk eating that really good green bean soup from yeah. that place. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat this soup and I'm not going to be driven out of this office until I'm ready. And so I sat around in the office for like three hours. Just making them uncomfortable. Making everyone uncomfortable. Well played. <laughs>